on this episode of I'm There For You Baby. Welcome to the very first episode, Barbara Bree. For those of you who didn't understand what Neil said, we're married in San Diego's innovation economy, which is booming. Welcome, Caitlin. So the previous year we had 3.7 million that we had raised. So we, um, you know, shattered our record from the year before. So we raised over 4 million. Wait, wait, wait. They friends, family, and fools. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Listen to this, a company that uses garbage and human waste. I think that's a nice word for shit. Entrepreneur Jared Criscuolo. Come on, brother, give me a break. I mean, like you typed in LinkedIn suckers from Texas. I mean, you gotta tell the truth. This is I'm There For You Baby, presented by IVN. Welcome listeners the very first edition of I'm There For You Baby, The Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. And uh, normally at the beginning, my name is Neil Centuri. I'm going to tell you what's on my mind. So just stay with me here. Let's imagine that you're rich and powerful and famous. In other words, you're a master of the universe. You and you start a company. You pick a co-founder who's also rich and famous and powerful, the two of you. You get a mistress and master of the universe. In this case, Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman, and the company they decide to start is called Quibi. Now, they could do almost anything. They're rich and famous and powerful, but they decide instead of trying to change society or maybe do something more uh, uh, philanthropic, they decide they're going to start this and they're going to create Quibi, which is a short form content delivered on your phone. I mean, the world needs that. Um, and they raise $1.75 billion to start this company and they hire a bunch of young people because they're kind of what you call of a certain age. And the young people say to Jeffrey and Meg, you know, we got some ideas. We think it maybe should have some social media and that it should be available on television. And because Jeffrey and, 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 and Meg are pretty talented and they, they you know, they, they know what they know, uh, they reject every one of those ideas. So they finish raising the money and they finish building the first product. March of 2019 and they're faced with an opportunity for greatness. The greatness is the pandemic starts in March and they want to launch their product Quibi in April. Now this is an interesting moment because you got to make a decision. And you can imagine this moment, all eyes on the co-founder standing at the front of a glass conference room, looking at the executive team with the infamous line from Admiral David Glasgow Farragut, running around in their minds, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. Now, you gotta stay with me here. So they have a moment where they could say, well, why don't we wait? But they say, no, nope, we're going all in, we're going in. We think the pandemic is our friend because actually for only $8 a month, we're gonna provide content on your phone. And who could turn that down? They think that viewing meaningless content is important for those quote, in between moments of the day now they said this, when people are waiting in line at the dry cleaners, like, did you ever interview anyone who was actually waiting in line at the dry cleaners? And you think your audience goes to the dry cleaners to pick up their shirts? They were completely out of touch. Six months after Quibi launches, the two of them decide to declare bankruptcy and $1.4 billion has gone down the rabbit hole. What interests me is the following. They do a post-mortem. And they say to the company, this is a quote, 
The company likely failed because its idea wasn't strong enough and the timing wasn't good enough. Likely? Are you kidding me? The Quibi adventure was a massive miscalculation in arrogance and knowing what you think you know without really talking to your customer and leaving aside the arrogance and stupidity. The real question I would ask to rich and powerful people who could do almost anything, why did you spend your time doing that? The rule number 686 in my book says, when is enough enough? I'm there for you, baby, is going to try to celebrate entrepreneurship and innovation and also shine a light on the difficulty and the hard questions that come with that adventure. And the first order of business is to introduce you to my co-host, Barbara Bree. She's a co-host, a partner. So, Barbara. Oh, well, thank you, Neil. Um, for those of you who didn't understand what Neil said, we're married. <laughs> FYI. Uh, legally, 20-some uh, years, uh, but Neil would also like to get credit for the seven years that we dated uh, before we tied the knot legally. I, I wanted to credit for time served. Well, and I will uh, share a secret about Neil, he is a great cook. So Neil, um, it's fun to be doing this to, with you uh, to talk about our favorite subject, uh, innovation and entrepreneurship. After all, today, everyone needs to think like an entrepreneur, whether it's in your own business, a large organization, or a nonprofit. Uh, the common theme of our guests will be that they demonstrate an entrepreneurial spirit and are not afraid to challenge the status quo. Today we're going to talk with entrepreneurs in San Diego's innovation economy, which is booming. The amount of venture capital raised is an important indicator. And in 2020, San Diego companies raised $4.66 billion. Let me say that again, it's a big number, $4.66 billion. That's up from 3.4 billion in 2019 and 1.4 billion five years before. But companies don't generally start out by raising venture capital. First, they need what's called friends and family and angel money. Wait, 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 they have friends, family, and fools. Oh, that's right, <laughs> that's right. And, and we've gotten some of that in our, and, and we've gotten some of that in our lives, in our business uh, lives. <laughs> To talk more about that, let's meet our first guest, Caitlin Weggie. Caitlin is the president of the Tech Coast Angels San Diego chapter, which is the largest angel network in the US. Angel financing is an important source of early funding for tech and biotech startups. Caitlin serves as a mentor and advisory board member for the Zip Launchpad, the business accelerator at San Diego State. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here for your inaugural episode. <laughs> so please tell us, um, what does Tech Coast Angels do? How many members do you have? And what did you do last year? Oh, wow. Well, we were very busy last year, like, like most were. What does TCA do? So we are a group of individual investors. We are all angel investors, accredited investors. And even though we mostly invest individually, we work as a group to source and vet 
and invest, obviously, into early stage companies. And one of the things we did two years ago is we launched a chapter fund, which we now use as kind of a leading investment when we make decisions. And the chapter fund is raised from within the members. So that's basically what we do. We're a group of individual investors and we deal source, we crowdsource our deals, we crowdsource our due diligence, and we make investment decisions together with the fund and then also individually. And the group itself is made up of many different um, folks from different industries. We have tech entrepreneurs, we have folks from the life sciences industry, we have um, surgeons, MDs, attorneys, and we're no, we're no longer just local in our membership. We started a virtual membership actually before the pandemic, which was, <clears throat> was nice that we had that in place already. And um, so we've got We've got members from all over the country now, but I think the majority of our members are here locally in San Diego. <clears throat> the second part of the question is what were we up to this year? Well, we were up to a lot this year. So I took my um, <clears throat> role as president in January and Obviously, none of us works. January. That's January a year ago. Yes, sorry. It's January. It is January already. <laughs> oh, man, time flies. It's like the longest, shortest time, this, this pandemic. So 2020, January 2020 is when I started my term. And, of course, nobody expected, uh, you know, the fallout from the pandemic. So we had to move very quickly to move all of our meetings uh, virtually. And we had kind of a hybrid situation before. As I mentioned, we had started our virtual membership about a couple years ago. So most of our members um, still met in person, but we did have our virtual members calling in. So we had this kind of hybrid in-person virtual, but we shifted all to virtual. And, you know, it seemed like that was going to be easy, but it actually was a, it was a big lift to be able to really um, create that value and continue that quality of our meetings, uh, but virtually. And re something really amazing happened. We had 200, over 200 members now. And even with the virtual option and the in-person option, we would get maybe 50 to 60 members in our, um, you know, our big end of end of the month screening meeting but since we went uh, virtual we ended up getting you know up in the hundreds of, of members engaging so our engagement increased and we were actually able to um, vet more companies from around the country as well so there were some really positives that came out of that shift to virtual the other thing that we were kind of concerned about is you know as I mentioned we make investment decisions together. And a lot of that has to do with gaining trust, right? Getting to know the investors that you're doing due diligence with, the ones that you're going to invest alongside of. And a lot of that is done in person. We used to have a monthly dinner meeting where there was a lot of networking and that was taken away. So we really had to focus on how do we recreate this um, place to, to gain trust and get to know people and have fun and then also learn. So we created these educational opportunities. We're kind of like a professional development. Um, every Wednesday, we called it our power hour. So it was like a happy hour mixed with an educational block. And it was also a really great way to um, engage our sponsors. We have some really great sponsors from our community, um, and they were able to 
kind of host these power hours and each topic was different, somewhat related to investing or around investing. We talked about negotiating term sheets. We talked about trading options on the stock market. We have a member that was an engineer in the space shuttle program in NASA. So we talked about how do we get, uh, invest in the, you know, the growing space industry. So it was really phenomenal. We hosted about 25 of those. And um, you know, it was very different from our operations, but I think you know, we were able to grow our membership and we are coming out stronger than ever. So it, it was really you, exciting. It's interesting that because of the pandemic, you were forced to do things in new ways. Yes, and, yeah. And I think the trust component is really important because it especially is. in startups, you know, invest, you're really investing in the person. And what mm. we've often seen in our investments is you start out to do A, but that the company learns more about what the customer really wants and they end up doing B. And so mm -hmm. you really need to be investing in people who are going to be able to pivot um, and also to get along with each other um, <laughs> as they go, you know, navigate the ups and downs that every, every startup has. Yeah. Um, so did you end up the year uh, investing more total than you had before in startups? And how much did TCA invest in startups uh, in 2020? So I'm not, I'm not actually, I don't remember the total that we invested in 2020. We're just kind of closing out the year. Uh, but 2019, we invested in over 22 companies. And I think we're pretty much tracking to that. We have, like I mentioned, we have our, um, our annual ACE fund. And we just raised our new ACE fund, our 2021 ACE fund. The capital call was in August and September. We closed in September. We raised over 4 million. So the previous year we had 3.7 million that we had raised. So we um, you know, shattered our record from the year before. So we've, that so was really exciting. That members can invest their money in and then mm -hmm. that gets that money gets put into the company. So what's the yes. minimum investment yeah. to uh, for this fund? Yeah, so the minimum investment, um, a unit is 10,000, um, which is really helpful in uh, membership, you know, we can really get a lot of folks in the door and, and help with diversity in our membership, because the ticket is lower, you know, 10,000 is lower than the usual minimum into an investment as an in individual, which is 25,000. So with 10,000, you get access to, you know, 20 plus investments we make in that year in that time of the fund, so you get the diversity split around among a lot of companies. Yes, instead of yeah. putting 20,000 and betting on just one horse, uh, you get right. to bet on, let's say 20 horses and, and spread your risk out which is yes, in angel investing. What, what are yes. the qualifications to be a member of TCA? Is there an application process? Yeah, so there's an application process um, and it's reviewed by our board monthly. And really the qualifications are you have to be an accredited investor. And um, it also helps to be referred by a member so that we know um, kind of who you are, what we really look for in a member is somebody who is willing to participate, right? Because we're only as good as the participation for our members. We are a nonprofit, essentially volunteer. We do have some paid staff, mm -hmm. but all of the heavy, heavy lifting, like the deal sourcing mm -hmm. and the due diligence, all of that is 
by the members. So we really look for folks that they don't have to know anything about angel investing. That's why we have our our um, education series, Mm -hmm. but they just have to be willing to want to kind of dig in and help with some of the heavy lifting. So people that are engaged and really interested. I'd like you to explain what is an accredited investor, and then we're going to talk about, you know, PCA from the entrepreneur's point of view. So what is an accredited investor? So this is something that is outlined by the SEC, and I think there is some changes or there's some proposed changes to the accredited uh, investor status to make it um, more inclusive. I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head what those um, changes are, if they've been implemented or they're, it can't they're winning. Be some, I mean, it's someone for whom, who has a significant net worth, who has yes. a significant annual income, yes. because these types of investments are risky and people yes. should not be putting their life savings into these early stage companies. Exactly. It's basically a guardrail to kind of, you know, ensure that you do have, you know, enough money to, because when you're making an investment, you just have to assume you're going to lose it. This is the riskiest asset class that you can invest in. Um, It can also have some of the highest rewards, right? (laughs) Neil, do you want to share some thoughts here? (laughs) First of all, the definition of accredited is three years income over two hundred thousand yes. dollars or a million dollar net worth, not including your house. Correct. What I was going to comment on: not only do you assume you're going to lose it, I think you should agree that you're with certainty that you will lose. Okay. Yes. So, so okay. So let's talk. <laughs> so, from the entrepreneur's view, you know, I I'm an entrepreneur. I have a startup. I want to, you know, approach TCA about investing. What does the process look like from my point of view? Yeah, so if if you're interested in coming to TCA, you can go onto the website and fill out an application. Another way um, that you can do is uh, obviously work through your contacts and see if there's somebody within your your book of contacts that know a member Um, within TCA. I think about 70% of the companies we look at are are member referrals, Um, but that's not to say that just applying isn't going to get you in front of the membership. So it's it's pretty simple. I mean, it's we've tried to streamline it as much as possible. We used to have you kind of these two, a pre-screen and then our big screening at the end of the month. Um, but we also understand that there's um, entrepreneurs with different timelines and sometimes deals are moving fast and you don't want to miss out. So we've been able to put together scrub, kind of scrub teams of, of area you know, domain expertise of whatever that specific industry of that company that's applying. Um, And so we'll have at minimum a a screening meeting with a, you know, a a group of investors. And then from there, we move into what's called our our due diligence meeting. And that's with any of the investors that are interested in this company will get together. And that meeting is pretty long. It's about three and a half hours, four hours. And that is yeah, but, but so the good thing about it. So am I entrepreneur at that meeting answering questions for three and a half, four hours? Yeah, well, we're, it's actually more of a collaborative process. It's not really like, you know, you're sitting on the end of the table and just getting hammered. It's more of like a discussion. And it's really discussing anything that we haven't covered already in the Q&A. And the good thing about it is we did this to streamline the due diligence po- process. We like to have 80% to 90% of the due diligence done in that meeting. So when we leave that meeting, the only thing left is like maybe some additional data that the um, entrepreneur entrepreneur needs to get us, or maybe there's some expertise that wasn't in the room that we need to bring in because it's a hard tech situation or a life science drug development, something where we need a little bit, um, you know, additional uh, 
expertise to kind of take a look at uh, whatever risks are left to so explore. So how does this so. process normally take? I submit my plan online, uh, it's screened, um, yep. if I keep going forward, I you know have this three to four hour due diligence, uh, which is on Zoom today, and mm -hmm. how quickly do you then as a group make a decision, yes or no, on my company? Yeah, so 30 days. 30 days. So um, yep. And the no will happen, we like to be as fast as we can with a no, right? Because a maybe is is basically dead in the water. These folks are trying to raise money. They're trying to move along. Um, you got to give them an answer quickly. So a no will be immediate and a yes will be immediate and a check will be in 30 days. Granted, there aren't any major red flags or deal killers. Right. So, Caitlin, um, please let our listeners know how they can get hold of Tech Coast Angels for more information, whether they want to be a member or they're an entrepreneur with a business that needs money. Excellent. Yes, they can find us on the web at tcasandiego.com. So that's tcasandiego.com. Very easy. You can go ahead. There's all the information you need there. And there's also a place to apply. Yep. Well, Caitlin, we're very um, excited that you joined us on our first segment. Angel investment is a key part of the San Diego innovation economy. And we're excited to see what TCA does in 2021. Thank you so much. I was honored to be a part of this. Thank you so much. Thank you, Caitlin. I'm Caitlin Weggy with Tech Coast Angels San Diego, and you're listening to An Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. Listeners, this is what's called welcoming you back. Welcoming you back to I'm There For You, Baby, The Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. And once again, I have to turn the microphone over to my bride, partner, co-host, um, and current uh, partner, sleeping partner, Barbara Bree, my wife. Okay, TMI, Neil. They, uh, it's okay that they know we're married. That's enough, okay? <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we're here taping this on Zoom, without which uh, none of us could exist today. So I just want you all to know how we're taping uh, the podcast. And it was great to start our show and our first segment with the president of an organization that is funding innovation and entrepreneurship. We talked with Caitlin Weggy, uh, the president of Tech Coast Angels San Diego. And our next guest is entrepreneur Jared Criscuolo who received a significant investment from the Tech Coast Angels. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Upcycle and Company. Listen to this, a company that uses garbage and human waste. I think that's a nice word for shit uh, to make a fertilizer that is good for the environment. Uh, welcome, Jared. Thank you, ma'am. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be with both of you today. Uh, both of your reputations precede you. So uh, I count myself amongst <laughs> great San Diegans right now. Great. Well, thank you. That's, a, uh, that's a, a topic for another podcast. But first of all, Jared, what did you do before starting Up and Cycle? And what gave you the idea to start this company? Um, great question. So in terms of the, my background before Upcycle and what kind of brought me to this, um, in my time in San Diego, I originally wanted to be a, um, an environmental lawyer or a prosecutor. 
um, public service and kind of taking care of the things that mattered to me were, were important drivers when I was younger. Um, unfortunately, I was not accepted at the law program that I wanted to attend. Um, that's what led me from the East Coast to San Diego um, and kind of got me on this career arc, which started in financial services. Um, and then after the stock market crashed in 2008, led me headlong into environmental activism. Um, and that was driven by getting sick surfing out here in San Diego. Um, so I've been an entrepreneur now. This is my third venture. Um, and in terms of, you know, the way it's gone down, my theory has always been that the, you know, being involved in environmental activism with the Surfrider Foundation here, I learned about the kind of the nuances of the legal side of environmentalism, um, realized that it is an important tool, but my talents and skills would be better utilized elsewhere. So I developed this theory that I wanted to focus on building businesses to solve environmental problems. Um, and that's largely what's gotten me to where I am today. Um, my last business, Rising Tide Partners, um, it was really the springboard for this current company, Upcycle and Company. Um, I was working with a number of wastewater agencies and cities in North County, San Diego, helping with their environmental messaging, working kind of as a liaison between environmental groups and these agencies that were doing their best to try to clean up the environment and protect the coastline. Um, and it was there that I learned about the different ways that we can actually take our waste and reuse them. So many wastewater agencies sterilize their solid waste, so our human waste and food scraps, um, and it can be reused as a phenomenal fertilizer source. They recycle their water for both irrigation and drinking uses, and they actually capture the methane and biogas to reuse to create electricity. Um, so I kind of got excited about the fertilizer piece coming from a small town in Connecticut, um, and then having a family that were always gardeners, it kind of, you know, it spoke to me. And I realized that this was really a great way that we could take a waste product and turn it into a new value-added product to help solve some major environmental and, and uh, human health issues. So how did, so, but why a fertilizer product and how did you develop the technology for what has become your product? So interestingly enough for me, the, the fertilizer was kind of the tail end of it. For me, the, 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 the path has always been trying to find out ways to solve environmental problems. Um, what I learned as part of the process is that we currently import about 85% of the nutrients that are used to make fertilizer in the United States. Um, if we replace that with sterilizing human waste, we could replace that by up to 70%. Um, we can also significantly improve soil quality, both on landscape spaces and farms. Um, so that's kind of what turned me on to this idea of fertilizer. And I would say that my whole path and sort of the things that have been revealed to me, the people that I've met and who've guided me and, and been you know, phenomenal mentors and advisors from when I first arrived in San Diego 15 years ago till now, um, really this path seems to have been a little preordained for me. So I've kind of listened to the, the signs and listened to people along the way and tried to just be receptive and coachable. And this is where I'm at now. So who developed, you know, who, who mixed all the stuff together and figured out how much of this and how much of that would make um, an effective fertilizer product? Uh, so a gentleman who's, uh, he became a friend who got involved with the nonprofit that I had started years ago as my first venture. Um, he turns out is a forestry student. Um, he's a master's degree in forestry and has built small micro farms around the world. Um, so Mark and I sat down and said, hey, let's figure this out. So we started Googling the Fertilizer Institute, learning about fertilizer blends. Um, you know, we took a couple different ideas and themes. And the idea was we wanted to take organic waste um, and try to find a, a good solid solution that had solid chemistry behind it um, and made sense for soil, but was much more than just your typical fertilizer. 
Um, so it was just trial and error, working on spreadsheets, and then literally getting in my kitchen in my old apartment. So, so you you mix the shit together in your kitchen. <laughs> that, that's what startups do. You don't have a formal lab somewhere. You do it at home in your kitchen. Uh, I love it. So once you have this, you know, concoction, um, and you realize you think it might be a company, where did you go to get the first money that you needed to to get off the ground? Uh, yeah. So initially what we did was I kind of ran this as a side project through my last business. So we bootstrapped it. Um, we'd been working with a wastewater agency here in town and they had, uh, they had agreed to let us build a small farm that would visualize their treatment process. So you went on a tour of the facility. Um, you, you came out on the back and you saw the farm. So I was just taking some resources from my last business, kind of watching and monitoring what we were doing there. And then you take this fertilizer to this farm just to see if it worked. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we took it there and then I brought it to friends. We tested it in our backyards, um, you know, some of the local nursery centers here in town. So then once we realized that it was going, I had a handful of friends and investors. Um, one of them was actually a history professor of mine from college. We've stayed close over the years. Um, Ken was part of the, the Outdoor Club, which was a group that I was a member of. Um, so he ended up, you know, coming out and saying, yeah, this is exciting and I'm, I'm really proud of you for doing it. I want to invest in it. Um, a friend of mine from childhood, and then we found a few investors on LinkedIn, a couple gentlemen. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Got interrupted. Let's do that sentence. I found a few investors from Texas on LinkedIn. Come on, brother. Give me a break. I mean, like you typed in LinkedIn suckers from Texas. How did you find people from LinkedIn in Texas? I mean, you got to tell the truth. Okay, I'll tell you the truth. So um, technology is our friend. Um, a, a friend and advisor of mine in town, uh, Olin Hyde, um, had stumbled across a company called uh, SearchQuant out of the Bay Area. And I think he was, you know, he might've been the seventh or eighth customer and I was probably the 10th. But the gentleman that started that, Chris, had basically built out, and I'm probably butchering it now, sorry, Chris, if you're listening, but uh, they had basically built out a system that would let you, you optimize your profile on LinkedIn. And then you do a search for, you know, angel investors, United States, agriculture and ag tech. You take the link from that, you dump that into SearchQuant. Um, and what it does is it takes my profile and it puts it up on suggested connections for all of those people in those search results. So did you um, reach out to, so you use this uh, tech, this algorithm. So mm -hmm. did you find them and contact them or did they find you through this? Well, what ended up happening was I got plastered in front of them for suggested connections and we would kind of go back and forth and I used LinkedIn premium to see who was looking at my profile. And as soon as someone that fit that parameter looked at my profile, I'd send them a message. So that's kind of what happened with these, with these gents from Texas. It was, uh, I was one of two brothers and, you know, we connected and Gary has been one of our strongest supporters since day one. He's invested in all three rounds. Um, he's provided tons of resources. It's been a really great sounding board personally and professionally. We so. love this story because, you know, you never think that you're going to find an investor through LinkedIn. Uh, and we'd love to hear more from you about how the company proceeded after that, how you finally got money from Tech Coast Angels and your first customers. Uh, please stay with us, listeners. We'll have more from I'm There For You Baby uh, as Jared continues the story of his entrepreneurial journey after our break. Thank you for listening to I'm There For You Baby, presented by IVN. 
The COVID pandemic has hit America hard. Nationwide, black individuals have seen 2.6 times greater infection rate than their white counterparts. The news is especially frightening for African Americans who are at a greater risk of severe complications from COVID-19 due to underlying conditions such as heart disease, diabetes, and obesity. I'm Dr. Shirley Weber, the Assemblywoman from the 79th, and I'm encouraging everyone in our communities to do their part. Get tested, mask up, and avoid gatherings. Visit blackcovidfactssd.org. Do you have a business, nonprofit, or campaign that needs to break through the communications clutter? For over 10 years, IVC Media has developed a suite of digital tools, data sets, and creative techniques to help corporate, government, and nonprofit organizations deliver authentic, innovative, and effective communications. Our teams in San Diego and Tijuana can help you overcome the most challenging communications projects in any language or location. Visit us today at ivc.media. Listeners and entrepreneurs, we're coming back to I'm There For You, Baby, The Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. We're going to come back to Barbara Bree, my co-host, and her guest, Jared. Watch this, Chris Qualo. And uh, Jared is the uh, founder and CEO of Upcycle & Company, which makes fertilizer out of garbage and shit. Um, in the first segment, we talked with Jared about how he got the idea for the company, how he developed the first product, how he raised his early money, uh, some of which involved finding investors through LinkedIn, uh, something which astounded Neil. And Jared, now we'd like to talk about um, how you raised money through Tech Coast Angels and then about how you got your first customer. So first, um, how did you get to Tech Coast Angels? Awesome. I'm excited to talk about that. Before I dive into it, um, could I just say a couple things about our product? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, so I want to, in particular, thank San Diego as a community. Um, there, I've learned so much in this town in the last 15 years from people that are just super generous with their time. Um, our fertilizer has three components. Our patent's kind of based on those three components. So it's, again, sterilized human waste and food scraps. Um, it's the leftovers from brewing beer, which is important because San Diego has a big brewing capital. So um, the folks over at Ballast Point, in particular, Julia Kane over there, was very willing to give us some of their waste to start with. And we started drying and testing that. Um, and then the last piece is algae waste. We originally looked at kelp, but it was, it was difficult to get the salt out. So we found some algae resources. But um, it was really people in the community in San Diego that helped make those connections to put together this product and taking all these different waste sources and making our sort of active fertilizer product that we offer now. Right. Um, so, so, so how, so first, before you got to TCA, how much money had you raised from the angel investors? Yeah. So we had six right. angel investors. Um, again, just to kind of recap a friend from growing up, two gentlemen from Texas, a mm -hmm. professor of mine from college, um, a gentleman who's an entrepreneur here in town and then an old friend of mine. So we brought in $380,000 right. in, our, in our angel round. And then how do you get to TCA and what's that yeah. process like for you? Uh, for us, it was slow. I think my process was probably slower than most other people, but um, this goes back to Evo Nexus, actually, the early days of Evo Nexus in downtown San Diego. So a friend of mine had a, had a company that was there. It was one of their first portfolio companies. Um, he and I clicked really quickly, got along well, and he decided to invite me in to work one day um, alongside him. And basically what happened was I was doing my startup quietly. He was doing his not so, so sort of crashed uh, Evo Nexus. You, you'd never been formally admitted, but you showed up to work there. 
I don't know if Rory would appreciate this or shake his head in disgust, but yeah. It's okay. We love your entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, we we snuck in um, and I was working. I mean, I iterated through a number of different businesses before I settled on Upcycle, but um, yeah, we essentially squatted for a year and a half with Evo Nexus before we joined the line. Um, but it was Evo Nexus though. So it was that that collaborative space that the city helped create that the mayor and city council members and, and, and Rory and his team put together that allowed me to meet Neil Bloom. Um, so Neil Bloom was at Portfolio at the time. Um, we very quickly became good friends and we're still good friends to this day. Um, but the it was working with Neil and really having conversations with him. He challenged me to think outside of, you know, kind of the, the confines and structures that I'd had. Um, and over the years, Neil ended up, uh, he actually bought my last business from me, Rising Tide Partners. Um, and he's continued to run with that, done a phenomenal job. We've kind of traced each of those entrepreneurial paths here in San Diego. Um, but Neil kind of coached me over the years and introduced me to Caitlin. Um, and it was really Neil and Caitlin and Kelly and Marcel kind of came in. And Caitlin spent a ton of time with me. She was super generous with, with her time and her knowledge. We have a lot of shared um, ethos in terms of, you know, the environment and trying to protect it. So really over a couple of years then before our investment, um, I'd have fairly consistent meetings with them. We would talk about where we were at, some of the scalability issues. And they really kind of pushed me and challenged me to think differently about how I grow this enterprise and who our customers are um, and what that looks like. You know, how long did it take from the day you submitted your plan? Uh, and then how much money did they invest? Yeah, so from first, the first time that we started really kind of talking and brought Caitlin, it was about a probably a year and a half process. Okay. Um, we positioned it, we presented to TCA's members in December of 2019. Uh -huh. um, and we started closing at the end of March of 2020. So it was right. about three, four months. Right. And by then you had a customer. Right. So who, who was your first customer and how did you get that customer? We'd had a few customers. So my first customer was Walter Anderson Nursery here in San Diego. Um, so we had a consumer bag that they brought in. And then over the course of the first year or so, we built up to about 40 retailers in Southern California. Um, a good friend of mine from growing up, Mike, works at Cushman Wakefield. So he had introduced me to one of the Cushman Wakefield reps in the Bay Area. Um, they work with one of the biggest names in tech um, in terms of managing their property. So that gentleman got us into that campus to start testing on their corporate campus as a landscape piece. Um, and you know, a lot of other things were kind of happening at the time, but that, that expanded. It was successful, and we built out to a number of other tech campuses. We're working with some small golf courses right now, um, some HOAs up in the Orange County area, and then recently hired someone from Brightview Landscaping. So now we work with Brightview Landscaping, Gothic Landscaping, and Gachina. So, Jared, I mean, it's wonderful you have actual revenue, you have customers, you've raised money. I'm sure you're going to need to raise more money. Uh, so, as you think about starting your company, what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs who are just about to engage in a startup? That's a, that's a great question. So, um, for somebody who's about to dive into a startup, I would say surround yourself with people that love you and support you unequivocally. Um, it's really important because there, there's great highs as an entrepreneur, but there's also a lot of really quiet, lonely nights. Um, so, you know, make sure you're surrounded with people that are going to encourage you and then lift you up. A little bit of time left. I want to give you the, the, the key question. So you have a fledgling startup with revenue and a couple of customers. Is your plan to grow the business yourself or are you going to go call up the largest fertilizer company in the world and be a partner or a strategic partner? How do you think about the next step? 
The most important thing for us, Neil, is direct sales. So we are bringing on people that have experience within the industry. Um, we've also built out a, a very comprehensive, detailed daily sales plan. Um, so we'll be executing both of those strategies, a more traditional business development kind of from within, and then also running a, uh, a pretty aggressive daily sales campaign. Jared, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about you and your story? Just that I'm extremely grateful for the opportunities that TCA has given myself and then the people that work for me. Um, and that anybody out there that's thinking about being an entrepreneur, do it, be courageous and be coachable. But it's, uh, it's the best way to go through life. Hold on, Jared. You can imagine when you started your company, people said to you, Chris Quoto, you don't know shit. And the answer is, you do. <laughs> Truer words have never been said, Neil. Thank you, Jared. We look forward to staying in touch. Cheers. Hey, my name is Jared Criscolo. I'm the founder of Upcycling Company, and you're listening to I'm There For You, Baby. Jared's story, you know, making a business out of uh, human waste, out of shit, uh, and just all that he's gone through to, you know, get his company off the ground, and how he talked about the uh, collaborative entrepreneurial ecosystem in San Diego. And I, you know, pleased that I was a part of developing this ecosystem. I was at Connect from in the first, from the first 10 years, from 86 to 96, which I think has really been important in creating a culture of collaboration in San Diego, which I've been told you don't find in many other cities. And of course, when I was at Connect, I created the Springboard Program, uh, the most innovative new products awards, um, programs that exist uh, to this very day. And you know, maybe Jared uh, will win one of the most innovative new products awards. Yeah. What impressed me was his uh, humility. You know, you don't see that as frequently in CEOs as you might hope. He, um, he was really uh, engaged and honored his network and the network that worked with him. I privately think that he's going to face the problem of scale. And I mean, I didn't get a chance to ask him, like, how many tons of fertilizer is used? Is it used only on, on uh, you know, local small farms? Or is it used in Nebraska across 150,000 acres? Um, the issue of fertilizer, and there's also software companies that are measuring water, the, the how much time you have to water, <clears throat> measure how much time you have to water. So there's a connection between fertilizer and watering and growth. Um, he's got something. He has protected his intellectual property, which is something that's very important for all entrepreneurs to do to protect whatever they can. Right. So I want to ask him this. I say if a bag of the ABC stuff costs a dollar, does your bag cost 85 cents or a dollar 10? And I think he has to think about getting big faster can do it by raising money, but he's got something really unique. <clears throat> and if it's really good, and I'm going to assume it is, I think he's got to go dance with some monsters and make a real deal. 
Yeah, I think you're right. He has to scale the business both in terms of producing more and then um, selling it. And it can't yeah. just, be one. and so it was interesting to hear that he is, you know, working with Cushman Wakefield, which manages, you know, giant complexes all over the country so that he is starting to work with entities that will allow him uh, to scale the business. Um, and of course, to have Caitlin Weggie on, I'm, uh, you know, the uh, president of Tech Coast Angel San Diego, uh, which has now become a very important player um, in funding uh, startups in their early days so that they can get uh, to the next level. So that wraps up our first show. Thank you all for listening. Tune in next week for another edition of I'm There For You Baby, the Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. Thank you for listening to I'm There For You Baby, presented by IVN. I'm There For You Baby is produced in San Diego, California, America's finest city.